Uh, hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're reviewing A Court of Wings and Ruin by Sarah J. Moss. This is the third book in the A Court of Thorns and Roses series and was published in 2017. And we're just wrapping up the trilogy, so it's very, uh, very exciting for us. And I think this is where we're going to end it with Sarah J. Moss. So I know she has another series, and I know there have been additional books in this universe. But I'm not going to lie to you guys. The ones I've read, I don't think provide as much fodder as these, and I don't want to read them again. (laughs) Okay. Lane is not. She will never lie to you, listeners. So uh, this book jacket, guys, there's some bold in it. And I'm trying to figure out how to provide the most appropriate emphasis. I know. I was looking at this and I was like, wow, now this is, this is a book jacket. All right. So I'm going to try and I'm going to use some silly voices. Okay. Pharaoh will bring vengeance. She has left the night court and her high lord. And is playing a deadly game of deceit. In the spring court, Tamlin is making deals with the invading king, threatening to bring Prithian to its knees. And Feyre is determined to uncover his plans. But to do so, she must weave a web of lies. And one slip may spell doom not only for Feyre, but for her world as well. As mighty armies grapple for power, Feyre must decide who to trust amongst the dazzling and lethal High Lords, and hunt for allies in unexpected places. But while war rages, it is her heart that will face the greatest battle. You did a great job. <laughs> You're killing me. It was really funny. Oh my god, this book jacket, you guys. I actually have, I like don't have any problems with this book jacket. It's really gets across what the heck you're going to be reading because that's it. Uh, yeah, I don't. This this is a good description of where the universe is when the book starts. Yes, I think the only thing this jacket could have done better is provide a little bit more of like in case you missed it. Oh, yeah, there's no, in case you missed it here, it's really, we're just going to tell you where the last book ended. You know, like, they don't explain what a night court is, what a high lord is. That her sisters were just turned and she doesn't know what to do with them. Doesn't even say, like, her ex, Tamlin. No. Right. Tamlin. But in case you were wondering, Pharaoh will bring vengeance, guys. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So we generated a random number and attempted to top the book jacket by using that random number as word counts for our own summary. And this week, that number is 27. Meg? (laughs) Here's my summary, which is really more of just sort of a stream of consciousness for you. This book is like 100 pages and three climaxes too long, but there's so much going on. I don't even have time to complain about interior plumbing. Yeah. There you go. All right, mine. Farah and Reese are super duper married when this book starts. So 
To replace the romantic drama, there's overly complicated politics, family drama, and more strategy shit. Very true. Very true. You did a really good job with the In Case You Missed It. Thank you. I like it. Um, I think this one is the least romance novel of the three. I agree with you. I'm not going to say there's none. Because, like, she does spend the first 20% of the book spying in her ex's court, not knowing if she's going to return to him. And they are navigating this, like, new space of being co-regents in the middle of a battle. So it's not that there's, like, absolutely no angst. But, like, their relationship is not in jeopardy in the sense that, like, will they, won't they? No. It's just, like, will one of them die? Yeah. Exactly. Which is, I mean, love in the time of war is always fodder for, I don't want to say a romance novel, but it's always fodder for romantic angst, for sure. Yes. I think it's interesting. I think Sarah J. Moss, I know Meg has a lot to say about consequences writ large and the way they're woven into the text. I do think no one important has died. No. So when Meg talks about consequences, I want to be clear. We don't mean that in like a George R. R. Martin first Game of Thrones, no one is safe mentality. I don't think I ever really bought that anyone was in danger. No. And no. I, th- I honestly think most of their like extended family was in more danger at the end of the second book. Mm-hmm. And when everyone came through that unscathed. Say, I say, think, that, say that again. It was weird. The end of the second book, I feel like everyone was in more danger. And so when everyone came through that unscathed, when they were direct targets and suffered as much as they did, I do think it lowered the stakes of this book in a way maybe Sarah J. Moss didn't intend. I never really believed anyone was in danger. I mean, that's a really interesting thing that you bring up by consequences. Because, okay, so I I have read the first George R.R. Martin Game of Thrones book. I've not read the others go back and listen. It was all because of a bad blowjob <laughs> that I stopped. But anyway, I think it's interesting that you have to say, well, they didn't face the consequences because no one died, right? Why does someone have to die for the stakes to be so high? And I'm not I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying like this is maybe something in our epic fantasy that we're looking at that we have like you have to die or you have to really be traumatized and there's a lot of trauma there um, is i think it's, for, it's more like okay in the way that with a romance novel you know you're always going to get a happily ever after i feel like in fantasy novels for the most part and very clearly the type of fantasy novel this is you know the good side will prevail right so, like, I'm not, in the same way you don't read a romance novel for one of the main couples to die or for them not to end up together, you don't read a family's, a fantasy novel for them to lose in the end. No, that's true. So, there are bigger consequences than death. There's the potential to lose, but that's not actually on the table. Right. And so, especially when the author is so clearly making every character's priority and biggest fear that one of their comrades will die. I think for that to work, for that as like the motivator and the only thing that could potentially go wrong at that level of stakes, all the characters are constantly thinking about what the others will have to sacrifice with their lives obviously being the most. And I do think it took away from the text a little bit 
because I think she'd used her fake out in the last book. Yeah. It's, I, I, it is interesting to look at it from an epic fantasy perspective because I cannot say that I read this in the same way that I read my fantasy novels. So but that's clearly the, the a plot of the trilogy. The right. The war with Prithian. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which um, I had issues with, but correct. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Are there any romance tropes? Um, I mean, there's the faded mates. Yeah, but okay. Are there any new romance tropes that happen specifically in this book that aren't set up by the first two? Um, so we've talked about faded mites. They've talked about their psychic bond. We've talked about like their matching fucking tattoos or whatever. The only one is the, this could be our last night together. Okay. So let's make it count. <laughs> Basically. Well, and then there's like the reunion sex. Right. But I just, this is so not a romance novel. It's, it is not. It's not a romance novel. You're right. This isn't a romance arc. Right. Like, they are super-duper married when this book starts. <laughs> they are. They are. Like, to quote, to quote a, great, a great sage, Lane, they are super-duper married. <laughs> when this book starts. We're fucking this up. <laughs> we cannot keep it together. <laughs> oh, Started with my monster voice, and it's all downhill from there. All right. So I think both Meg and I were underwhelmed by the first book. Yes. Second book was definitely better. The romance was much better. I'm going to be honest. I really surprised myself in enjoying this book. It was my favorite of the three. I don't know if that's because of the book itself or just because I had a lot of low expectations after the first two. And then just the fact that I was entertained and like enjoyed it. Maybe there like, were oh. fewer references to plumbing and that helped. It helped that, you know, they weren't in the sex cabin. First <laughs> time you've ever cabin. said that. I, it's so true. When have I ever said it helped that they were not in the sex cabin? I know that's just, I think you've been body snatched. <laughs> um, so here's my thing. I think the third, the second book, there's a whole lot of mess going on in the background, but Farah and Reese's love story is a cogent narrative. Yeah. The third book, I think, has a lot going for it. The, to the beginning of the book when she's the spy in the court, and then when she finally gets back and her going on the run, like all of it really works. But the second she gets back to court and the world gets bigger... The resolution to the conflict is a hot mess. Oh, it's, there are, it's like three different points where you're like, okay, now everything's done. Oh no, wait, there's more. And a lot of it is pulled out of the woodwork with little foreshadowing. Oh, absolutely. Or annoyingly underexplained. Yeah. And so I think, I don't hate this book. But I think the reason the second's my favorite is because, like, there is a part of it that has a beginning, middle, and end that really worked. I don't think that can be said about this one. I think this book has, it does have an end. So this book ends. And it wraps up this whole war. So the second, one of the things that frustrated me the most about the second book was about how they were preparing for this war, but they never actually even had, like, a battle. Yeah. 
And I was just like, oh my God, can you get to something going on with the plot? This is a lot. This is action packed. This is just, this is just action, action, action. Boom, 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 By comparison and literally meeting battles. Yes. Yeah. And look, do I think it all hangs together perfectly? No. But I do think it's interesting that she, she, so what I, here's where I'm going to talk about consequences. I do think that if Sarah J. Maas sets something up, she will follow through to its logical conclusion. That's what I was actually kind of impressed with because, you know, there's a lot of stuff that she does not follow through to the logical conclusion, like with plumbing and the sex cabin. Or even like, what the fuck is going on with Nesta? Right. I agree. But so, for example, they, so Reese has got to make allies now. So he wants to make allies from all the different courts so that they can present a unified front to Prithian. Right? Right. And guess what? They don't trust him because for hundreds of years, this guy has been acting like he's the dark lord of whatever, when really he's a sweet little cinnamon roll on the inside. And they didn't, Sarah J. Moss did not create a time where they were like, oh gosh, you know, it turned out that he was a nice guy after all, so we're going to trust him. Like, no, there were some major issues in forming this great alliance, this fellowship of the continent, you know, whatever right. you want to call it. And yeah, she didn't just let him off the hook really easily on that. So that's what I thought was in most interesting about the book. Yeah. Well, I think you're right. Like, I don't want to say there aren't dropped plot threads because there are. Because there are, yeah. But I don't think conflict gets hand waved away either. Right. I think there are things that are underexplained, but I think what she chooses to delve into has an explanation. Yeah. Or let's take Farah going undercover to the Supreme Court. Like yeah. Lane said, the first 20% of the book, which is like 50 chapters. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. It's a ton of time. Because this book is like a thousand pages long. So the first 50 chapters. It's not a thousand pages. It's 750 is it really? Yeah. Uh, that's how long mine was. It was really long. Oh, my God. I know. And I, I may be exaggerating with the 50 chapters, but like a good a good 25 chapters. And, you know, a romance novel that we read is, can be like between 18 and 25 chapters. You know? So yeah. like a whole romance novel's worth of book is set in the, high, in the spring court where she's undercover. Yeah. And she does a great job of like sowing discord, right? She messes up the court. She messes up their alliance. All this stuff happens. And guess what? It turns out that doing all that crap maybe wasn't the best thing in the long run for the whole country. Right. And again, that's not hand-waved away. I also think war inherently having consequences is well articulated like and I know we're talking a lot about the spring court because it happens early so it's honestly the most spoiler freeway we can talk about it too but 
you know, when she's confronted about what her motives were in the spring court by someone relatively early in the book, she says, yeah, we talked about invading it. Mm -hmm. But then decided that having two pieces on the chessboard that spread out that early actually left us open to additional potential conflicts that weren't worth it. Yeah. So yeah, letting the spring court fall, if that's what ends up happening, isn't ideal. But the only alternative we have has more risk. And I just, I thought that, like, the very blunt way that, like, there were no winners. Right. There were just, like, which is the best of our bad ideas, which gets articulated in the text. It was like, this feels very authentic to this kind of conflict. Yeah. That said, the fact that she does let these consequences play out makes you realize that maybe these people weren't super smart in making those decisions in the first place. (laughs) Sometimes, for sure. Sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, oh... Like, uh, on the one hand, I think it's pretty brave of her to follow through with that shit. On the other hand, I'm like, ooh, like, you, maybe you should have gone back to the first decision and <laughs> changed it there. I feel like there was no outline when she wrote this book. Yeah. Yeah. You know? um, so, I think that worked. I just want to point out in overall quality, this is the book where all of the, like, mate, male, female really got under my skin mm-hmm. like all the fairy vocabulary coming out in full force and all of it being so like saccharinely possessive like ugh. yeah all right especially when everyone ends up as part of like a fucked up bonded pair oh i know uh, like the parts that did get a little romancy in this not with the main couple i found almost universally annoying yeah should we talk about Nesta? Speaking of universally annoying. Yeah. So I actually feel kind of conflicted about Nesta. In general, I love a bitch character. Like, I love a bitchy character. I love a bitch heroine, especially. And Nesta is like a bitch from Shea Bitch. Yes. Can't put it better. <laughs> that's that's how we that's how we put it. <laughs> so I think I like I feel like Nesta post transformation, which happened in Book Two. So hold on, say that again. Your thing broke up just a little. I feel like Nesta post transformation, which happened in Book Two, so not a spoiler, is a natural extension of who Nesta was in books one and two. Yeah. I did not understand her character in those two books. So I yeah, also I, yeah. love wussy characters. I also love characters who are just unrepentantly willing to call everyone out and sort of don't turn me around themselves. Mm-hmm. Her, I love that she has her one soft spot in its lane. And I sort of really liked her and Cassian's relationship in this book. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of love the dark warrior who, like, made a lifelong pledge that got fucked up with magic. Like, all that works for me. Right. But I think fundamentally, I don't understand why Nesta was the way she was and why she treated the Pharaoh the way she did when they were just three sisters in a house with no money. Yeah. And so I just don't get what she consents to and what she doesn't and why. Like, it... It, I think some of my commentary is also colored by how badly I think she falls apart in subsequent books. Mm, yeah. I mean, like, I think Sarah J. Moss didn't have a good idea of what to do with her. Yeah. 
so she, uh, you are right. She's a super bitch, but she doesn't really have a reason to be. And I think yeah. that's, you know, again, I love a bitchy character, but I want to know why you're a bitch, you know? Like, you don't, and again, you don't have to, like, be traumatized, and that's the reason why. I'm just saying because that's how you feel, or, you know, I, I don't know. I'd be interested in that. But the thing with her is, like, I th- said this at the end of the last book because I was like, oh, no, Farrah's worst torture is that her sisters get to be immortal, immortal beings that are very yeah. powerful. And I want to be like, like, Nesta, I get it. You're upset. But also, you're hot. You're surrounded by super hotties who all want to get with you. Yeah. And you are going to live forever as a super hottie. Yeah. Like, where's the downside? And you are apparently some sort of, like, death specter. Right. Yeah. She's, um... I wanted to adore her. Yes. And I just feel like it fell short in some ways I can't totally articulate. Yes. It, it... She's a little bit like... Okay, what's, what's the character's name? Arwen? Amrin. Amrin. I was like, that doesn't sound right. It's it's the name of a god. Amrin. I see fit. I see Nesta as being like Amrin, but not as interesting or fun. I mean, I think that the book tries to sell you on that comparison. Mm -hmm. I don't think I buy it. Oh, that's that's the issue with Nesta. Like, I think I do buy Amran, you know? Like, yes. he's a super powerful being who is now trapped in a crummy body. And she's, like, super bitch and she drinks blood all the time. I kind of liked her. Well, and so her reason to be a super bitch is she, she is trapped out of her world and out of time. And, huh? like, faking being human yeah. And dealing with being human when, like, she inherently is not. Yeah. But even Amrin lashes out, but you believe the underlying care, and you believe she chose this, and you believe right. she chose the consequences, and you believe she cares about the people around her. Right. Even if she is uncomfortable with it. I don't buy any of that with Nesta. No, I don't either. She she was a character I wanted to like. Yes. I didn't. Yeah. All right. Do should we go through like content warnings? There's just like a jillion of them. Yeah. I mean this okay. This is my personal content warning. This book is very violent. Yeah. Like bloody, fingers getting crushed, you know, skin getting flayed off. Well, and it, even it's when it's violent. not violent, it's visceral. Yeah. Like, Farah needs to learn to fly, and she can shapeshift so she can grow wings, but she doesn't have the underlying musculature to enable that. Fine. Like, if you want to be that literal about magic, way to pick to do it there. But, like, the descriptions of her training and her back aching and things getting caught on wings, like, all of that is very visceral. I couldn't, I couldn't handle it, Lane. I was like, you just gave yourself wings. Give yourself some, like, more muscles. Yes, no, I, I'm not saying it was, like, it made sense. 
I'm just saying in terms of like, there's a lot of discussion of like morphing sinew. Yes. Even if somebody's not injured, it's squicky. It is. You're right. You're absolutely right. It's squicky. And they, they don't take baths all the time. I know that probably bugged you. Oh, yeah. Like the layers. And especially the part where recent explains when he like snaps his fingers and she gets degrimed. It's only visual. The grime is still there. Yes. I was like, oh, this is gross. I knew I read that and I was like, Lane is gonna, <laughs> she was gonna hate this. <laughs> I hated it. I mean, but I hated it the first time I read it too. Um, otherwise, let's just like, there's there's a lot of sexual assault. There's mm-hmm. one character who's a woman who's a like chronic sexual assaulter. Mm-hmm. And, and they were actually stumbled upon her in this book, like chaining a guy up against his will. Yeah. To be her sex, whatever. Um, and I just want to point out that there is mild domestic violence. Yeah. It's not between... So it's between Feyre and Tamlin. It's not mild, but they're not really together. She's a spy in his court who... Like, so it's not like a trusted partner and you're in her head with her actually victim blaming and all of that. Right. So I want to be clear that you're not reading like the head of someone going through domestic violence. But it does happen because he right. thinks they're together and he lashes out at her. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. Right. Any, anything else? Uh, I mean, everything that's been in these books so far. Like, yeah. more entire backstory. Yeah. Like, oh, like, God, yes. Centuries. Like, the whole goal of Highburn uh, is to enslave all humans. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's there's nothing that's not sort of a content warning, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, unrequited love that deals with gender and sexual identity. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, yeah, the way that's handled was... Not great. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, on the one hand, I wanted to be like, okay, we have, like, diverse sexual identities. On the other hand... Really? Yeah. Like this is how you want to do it? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't love that resolution. Me neither. But, okay, was the book sexy? No. And I don't mean that, like, there's, this isn't a romance novel. Yes. The relationship building is not the point. So, yes. like, sex that exists is just a gratuitous lip service, and it is largely fade to black or, like, reflective. It's like, he tied me up this morning and then ate me out, and it's pretty much just that. I mean, there are a few, like, more explicit scenes, but I, I wasn't, I, I'm not reading this book to get off. Well, but even then, like, the relationship is not the point of this book. Right. I actually would have preferred there were fewer sex scenes because most of them were all just, like, made it male shit. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So, it, like, not the point. I, like, I don't say no to be like, it was bad. It not. Yeah, it was not the point. Okay. Again, I enjoyed this book the most out of the three. I like this book. Um, I don't skip it. If I feel like rereading the series, which I've done a whopping one time. So I don't know. I, I, I think I, I, I'd like, I like the potential of this book and feel like it let me down in the execution. And I think we've talked before on the podcast how that can be more damning to me than anything else. 
Yeah. So many interesting concepts and someday I'm sure I'll get around. I bet you there's great fan fiction. I've just never read it. I was going to say there's like fan art that I'm, that I think is much more sexy than the book itself. I'm, I think these characters are all sexier in my head than they'd be on paper. Yeah. It's, like recent and all his tattoos. I just sort of block out like what's there gives them such a great framework to work from. This is a cool universe that is underdeveloped. I agree. Some of these characters are really interesting and underdeveloped. Like, I want to be clear. Her sisters returned at the end of the second book. What's going on with them? What's their powers? Like, are they even okay? Is like, you know, going to be a major conflict from the middle of the book. Yeah. And while it's referenced in passing, like there's no resolution there until really close to the end. Like there's just so many things that are left lingering and so many conversations and relationships that you know are being built in the background that are sort of more interesting than what's happening on the page. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, I think these are fun. I liked reading them and like may read them again. I don't think they are representative of the best of the genre. Oh, abs. I mean, I, the thing that's hard for me is like, what genre is this? I still don't know what genre this is supposed to be because I don't see it as being like an actual fantasy novel. You know what I mean? I mean, honestly, I think it's that like young adult fantasy style, but way more violent and sexual. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love it if you would rate, review, subscribe, and check us out around the internet at Plotrists, uh, specifically at WordPress, Instagram, and Goodreads.